Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personally reached out and let us know how great their experience was and have thanked us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners, so please tell us about your experience if you made the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, as well as extreme Colorado sports fans just like us. So head on over to Green Mountain Dental Group today and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam to get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ Hayfley. With the Avs still off, well, let, first let's tackle the good news. No new players added to the COVID protocol list as far as Colorado is concerned during this little break, so expectations are they'll be able to get back underway after uh, this third postponed game. Should be back to normal as soon as Thursday. Uh, Sweet. Back to hockey, I guess, there. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to talk about other parts of hockey, at least tangentially related to the Avalanche and their prospects. Mm, Before we start, yes. Excited about the Mortal Kombat movie. (laughs) Drew and I actually have talked about doing a little... uh, Watch along, yeah. Yeah, a a little watch party for it. So maybe keep an eye out for that since we'll have some time. Yeah, super early pod today because, you know, sometimes. I, uh, I have my second vaccine shot during our normal window. Yeah, so, you know, get a man vaccinated instead of doing the podcast on time. Definitely value there. Um, the Evs, well, let me start here because I put this in the title. Do the Evs have the best defense in the NHL? Yes. Okay. So now that that's established. Mm. Which version? The healthy version. Including Eric Johnson? If you want, sure. Hell yes, then. (laughs) Hell yes. So. Without without Eric Johnson, it's just a yes. Just a normal yes? Yeah. So somewhere from yes to emphatic yes, the Evs have the best defense in the NHL. And. There is an argument that it could get better. You mean that better days are coming? Indeed. It, um, when and how are very much up in the air. But So right now, I would say that there are four realistic NHL prospects in their system. 
on the on defense defensive side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm let's consider let's consider Timmons still a prospect for the time being. Sure. He should be anyway, but um, Timmons at the top, and then I would have Justin Barron, and then I would have Drew Hellison, and then I would have Danilo Zhravalov. Agreed. And then from and then there, um, the mix of Clerman, Lieberman, whatever. Yeah, after they, that. They, and we don't even talk about Josh Anderson anymore. They, he's not. Yeah, he's not an NHL caliber prospect. It's just nope. reality. So, yeah, that is what it is on that front. But nonetheless, and the, you look at the four prospects, and and they're all in, in very different situations too. Timmons obviously on the cusp of breaking into the NHL in the yeah. right situation. Uh, we'll get to Baron in a second as he's the main focus of the show. But then you have Clerman, who earned his ELC this year, mm-hmm. um, is already playing in the AHL. Uh, so, what have you thought of him so far? He's been more or less what I expected. And I, the I'll put it this way: my bar is very, very low for him in his first handful of AHL games, and it, it's it's fine, right? Like we're I think we're seeing some of the same adjustments we saw from him moving into the college game, where the puck movement has to come, but will it show up? Will it not? I don't know. That's kind of part of the question with him. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been early. That's a good way to put it, for sure. Like, it there's still. Oh well, yeah, Josh Anderson did get terminated. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, it happened. Okay, it happened right. Okay. It happened in those couple of days after I got back from Canada. And Makes sense. Yeah, we were just getting ready to start the season, and we were so busy. I had a million other things to yeah. think about. Yeah, that Josh Anderson's contract being terminated was not a thing that we thought about. Is he still uh, even playing? He has not played anywhere this year. Interesting. So tough break. I mean. They drafted a guy with a broken back, and he's he struggled with injuries the entire time. Yep. So, you know, it wasn't. We tried to we tried to be as fair as we could without just being like this guy's terrible. But he was, he was always just the offense was just never there. Well, and and between that and health issues, yeah. I mean, when he was drafted, uh, the. I talked. I talked to a couple of people, and they it was well, we're trying to find Mark Mathot, a guy like that, yep. you know, big miss. So, and if you look, look <laughs> of the of the guys in the of, from the third round, that's really their one. That's that's the guy that they drafted, and we were like, who. You know, and you know, whatever's gonna happen with Matt Steinberg is gonna happen. We don't really know, but otherwise they're third round picks in the last several years. Well have been fine. It's Anderson was also this weird it, it was on the cusp of an era where immediately after that we've seen the abs consistently draft 
puck skill talented defensemen and only yeah. puck skill talented defensemen. Yeah. There there's still very clearly an appreciation in the organization for those types of old school defenders. Yep. But I mean look at that look at that list of four guys. Connor Timmons is uh, I wouldn't really call him new school. Um he's not a good skater, but he's a really high IQ defender. Yep. The league has always had room for guys like that. Um but then but then I mean you you look at Justin Barron. What's what is one of the skating, skating, skating. <laughs> exactly. You, you you talk about uh Zhiravilov. It starts with it starts with his physical tools. Yep. Offensive um, upside there for sure. And then I already forgot who was the other guy that we were talking about. Uh oh, Drew Hellison. Yeah. Hellison. Drew Hellison Drew Hellison is like the ultimate new school example because yep. He is what Josh Anderson was. He was a hard-nosed physical defender, but he has great feet. Yep. The The big question about Drew Hellison was, is there going to be any offense whatsoever? And we saw more offensive instincts out of him in this last year in BC than the previous two years combined. Yep. Where the abs look like geniuses right now. Like, they, they are riding high on that pick right now. But the physical tools, the the number one thing that you look at as the major difference between Anderson and Hellison is that Hellison is a very, very good skater. And Anderson was I always thought Anderson moved well for his size. Yeah, the the big for his size asterisk yeah. is there. Like he like... moved well for for his size. And like you just have different expectations for guys that are that were big like that. For sure. But there was no skill. Yep. Like it was just big and mean. It, and yeah. like he understood his role to his credit. It wasn't like he did a lot of stuff that that took him out of the water, but Baron Baron is kind of the marriage of all of that. Their desire for an older school guy, guy with good size who can defend really well, but uh also has those physical tools that really stand out to them. And I tell you, the Avs did not think Justin Barron was going to get to their pick last year. Yep, I believe that for sure. I, when I when I was poking around trying in the week before the draft, trying to figure out who they were into, I I mean, you remember we weren't even talking about Justin Barron yeah, we, during our process because we had the written him off as him going earlier anyway. Well, and we had we had talked about him as a like. If blood clots weren't an issue, yep. this con- this conversation would be different. Yep. And the blood clots remained an issue until right before the draft when he had surgery and got everything fixed. And all then the all of a sudden it was like, good. Yep. blood clots are no longer an issue. And it just changed the whole conversation around him. And I remember that presser and I because I was like, keep an eye on Justin Barron. He he probably you know hopefully none none nobody from the organization listens to this episode but <laughs> I've become the master at listen at, at, at listening to Alan Heppel's pressers because it's been a couple years in a row uh, it's been a couple of years now that I've been able to suss out who they like based on that just listening to him talk about certain guys if he if he hits if we ask the question about a certain words, guy yeah. <laughs> And when he was talking about Baron last year, you could definitely tell that there was interest there. 
that once once the health factors were were behind them that the organization had an eye for him and talking to talking to people in the week leading up to it he like the abs the the abs were not confident baron would make it i i mean you look at you look at how that draft went it was pretty chalky yep and then the three picks for new jersey ended up getting kind of wild and then that columbus columbus went to outer space galaxy brain levels with that pick yeah (laughs) yeah he was okay this idea that like nathan mckinnon had an impact on the pick is it's a fun story guys (laughs) but they didn't do a year of scouting and going through the interview process and the medical process to throw it all out the window and be like, well, Nathan McKinnon likes Justin Barron. So let's just get him the guy that he likes. Like, stop. I I feel like, so this isn't really something that happens in hockey. Like this is something that people I think are taking from basketball teams. And you've seen LeBron being the most famous. Like, where he really is the guy like running the team. <laughs> like relationships drive every sports league. You're always going to go with guys that you're more comfortable with, that you're whatever, right? Like sure, but they already knew that they liked Justin Barron. The amount the amount that like yeah, it, happy coincidence is a great yeah. way to put it. Yep. That that it worked like that it, it worked out that way. Like if Justin Barron goes the pick before, this isn't even a conversation. Yep. Whoever they end up picking, whatever they do, you know, it, to be honest with you, I'm I'm like eighty five percent sure that their pick after that would have been JJ Paterka. I, I know. They the Avs just really be one pick away from guys that I want them to take. <laughs> they really liked JJ Paterka. Me too. Um, and 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 his his like slip slip into the second round was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, they, it was like Justin Justin Barron is he's an interesting guy for the organization, especially because he is in. He's he now like the reason we're talking about him today because they had like a pseudo social media funeral for him. Yeah, after their last. uh, How weird was that? So I mean, let's put some context here just for people that don't know. Uh, The QMJHL season had to adjust things based on Canada currently struggling with a bunch of COVID things going on. Yeah. Uh, at least for Halifax, their season is officially over, which means Justin Barron's season is officially over. Yeah. Um, in their last game the other day, as AJ was talking about, Barron had two points, I believe, and the tweets for both of their his points were from the Halifax main account were talking about how Barron scores in his final game as a Moosehead. Yeah. And then... And then they have a 
uh, they have an interview with him afterwards. Yeah. Where he talks like they ask him, what are your favorite memories? What did it mean to you to be drafted by the Mooseheads? It was, I, I was really, I was really struggling to recall a time, especially because like one, the abs are super private about stuff. Yep. And so for that whole thing to just take place, it was so weird. Well, and this is like, <laughs> there's no, there's been zero confirmation from anyone that Baron mm-hmm. is even turning pro. Right. Like there was a world where was he he was he's eligible to play in the AHL next year because of his age. Correct. Uh and and it was all good and well, right? Like he they could decide to put him in the AHL if they wanted to. He was also eligible to go back to junior. He hasn't even signed his ELC yet. Yeah, like so. it would it it would have been a mild disappointment, but not the biggest shock in the world had he just gone back to Halifax. Yep. And so that they over the weekend held a very public like funeral for <laughs> his junior career. <laughs> was it was really, really strange stuff. And it was just like like everybody was just openly talking about it. Um Apparently on the broadcast, uh, as Jackie had mentioned to me on Twitter, on the broadcast, uh, they they said they openly talked about it, that they were they would be very surprised if Barrett did not join the Eagles this week. So maybe they know uh, something uh, some other people don't, but I would imagine they have a pretty good idea about what's going on. And the fact that like Baron like there was no correct. There was no yep. like Baron just answered the questions. Yeah, <laughs> goes with this. I'm like, okay, clearly, clearly, it's it, this is done. <laughs> He's moving on. He's moving on to pro hockey, and that's why we decided to talk about him today. Because one, we all of a sudden don't have Avalanche hockey to talk about, and this just sort of fell out of the sky for I, us. I do. Want to keep talking about Justin Barron, but all that awkwardness definitely makes me want to drink. So we are sponsored by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get it down at the DNVR bar, eight different kinds on tap, or keep an eye out for the Breckenridge seltzers that you can get at your local liquor store. The Good Company Hard Seltzer is absolutely delicious. They taste like candy. It's, It's kind of dangerous, to be honest. That's how good they taste. Check them out. Use the Breck Beer Locator online. Find them and give them a try. We are also brought to you by Gabby Insurance. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash D-N-V-R. Make sure you do the slash D-N-V-R to let them know. We sent you. When it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? I know I do. A lot of members and staff here at DNVR, including AJ and I, put their policy to the test and turned to Gabby. When they did, they saved hundreds of dollars. I think I saved around 350 AJ, I thought you were somewhere around the same amount. Yep. Uh, so there you go. A couple hundred dollars, easy in your pocket, just like that by using Gabby. Some of us even saved well over $1,000 doing it. Might as well give it a try. There's nothing to lose. It's completely free to try and find yourself 
a bundle of money by getting better home and auto insurance. Again, that's gabby.com slash DNVR to save yourself some cash. With Easy that extra- to spell, man, because it stands for get a better insurance. Boom. Easy. Get a better insurance, baby. Use that money you save. Maybe consider signing up for an annual membership to the DNVR. Not only do you get our amazing coverage, but you get a free t-shirt, free mask as well with your annual payment. Why not jump on it? It's great stuff all the way around. And when you sign up for an annual account right now, you will get a holistic wellness stick as well. You know, we're big fans of CBD here. They will send you a pack of 10 milligrams of CBD sticks that you can just drop right into your drink. You just crack it open, pop it in there, and it'll take care of migraines, aches, and pains, things like that for you. So jump on it today. Also, be sure to check them out at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. So Jumping into Justin Barron, 31 points in 33 games in the QMJHL this year, eight goals, 23 assists. As far as points per game numbers, that's top 10 of all defensemen in the Q, uh, including that a absolutely absurdly good Charlottetown team had a couple of guys ahead of him. So very, very good. I, I think the two of us, AJ, would agree that he's completely ready or rather is completely done with the queue and ready for the next step. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think he was definitely a guy that was ready for the next challenge. Yep. Um to be honest, I just didn't get to see him play very much this year. Uh but in the couple of viewings that I had of him I mean, he you can usually tell with guys in juniors when they're ready. Yep. <laughs> You know, you don't know. You don't always have to know, like which guy's been drafted where to have an opinion on. You know, it, it can inform, but a lot of times, especially in juniors, especially in the CHL, it's obvious. Like these are the guys yep. that have that have separated. You know, in in college, you have a lot of, in you know, in the NCA, you have a lot of like. This guy's 23, you know, he's like physically mature and he can kind of just do some certain, some things that other guys can't. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those like landmine stat guys and for sure CAA. Um, But I, in the CHL, it's usually, it's usually pretty easy to pick out when, especially if you just watch to like pick out guys where you're like, this guy's, he's good at this level. And yeah, they all they all have a certain confidence to their game, where it just stands out compared to their peers. I think, and <clears throat> I think Barron's poor team Canada showing. It's it was a good like, it was a good balance for the hype train, right? It was. It was good. It was good to see. Like, okay, they're. You got to you got to see the things that you worry about, you know. When when the pick was made, you know, from a more analytical standpoint, you know, there was a reason. Like Will Scouch was really down on the pick. Yep. And he had all of the all of the data that showed, you know, the underlying numbers. These were these were concerns. He doesn't, talked about 
passing concerns and puck management <clears throat> things like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, um, just not a guy that not a guy that drives a lot of play. A guy that it's easy to fall in love with because the physical tools are there. Yep. <laughs> because he is he's right handed. He's six foot two. He's two hundred pounds already. He's physically he's he's kind of there already. Yep. Uh, he skates the way that he does. Where if you just sit down and you have a live viewing of this guy, you're just like, my Dang. goodness! Like <laughs> it's super easy to see where the value, like where where the appeal was when a tra- when going through a traditional scouting process. When looking at some of the underlying and and dra- you know and draft numbers relative to his peers a lot of that stuff didn't hold up and what's what's interesting about scouch and and the data and you know all of that all of that stuff that they're working on in in regards to the draft is that it's all very new you know, we don't we don't know the long term value of this. We don't know the long term viability and you know how much do those numbers serve as a red flag in the future? You know, if if Justin Barron ends up a total bust, then we may look back at that and be like, Okay, well, there was data here that warned us about this. Yep. And it well, might increase the value of that data moving forward because it starts to it starts to mine out. Okay, well, this guy's got physical tools and he's got all this, but what he's actually doing on the ice is a concern. There, and and this is true of of any new advanced stat, right? Like, there's going to be imperfections. There's going to be things that aren't perfect. And yeah, any given number that you look at in a vacuum means very very little. You have to yeah. take a full package look at, at something. And and you don't – I'm not saying discount the numbers. You take a look at them and you say, all right, this is something to consider. But as you said, AJ, especially with new, st- new statistics, new types of analytical environments, it's really hard to gauge anything until you have a couple years down the line and you can say, all right, how does data line up? over the course of a handful of years, a handful of players, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and the reality is Justin Barron could be a slam dunk NHLer in three years, or he could be still in the AHL toiling away. Like we have no idea. Yeah. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. We'll wait. And I mean, obviously, right? Like yeah. that's, you look at every single prospect ever drafted and you go, we'll, we'll wait and see. But the, the other the other thing i've i have long been a draft halifax guys <laughs> person because if you look at it i think it's something over the last 20 years they've only had two guys that were drafted in the first round that busted and one of them was a goaltender so he barely counts as a person them in london man they just so yeah well and if you look at their first round their first round history their skater history it was one guy from the mid 2000s i just can't i can't remember his name but otherwise every single guy that they drafted or that got drafted out of halifax not even just the euros but all of the the domestic guys too every single one of them ended up 
an NHLer of some caliber, like varying degrees of NHLers, but it was a lot more common for them to be like the Alex Tangays, Timo Myers, Nick Ehlers type, you know, like really good NHL players have just been coming out of the Moosehead program forever. So I mean, obviously Nathan McKinnon was pretty good, pretty good moosehead. <laughs> that one, uh, a little too obvious, maybe. Yeah, but with Barron, I mean, what's next for him is that he is—he's getting dropped into an Eagles defense where, and let's just assume he is on his way to pro hockey right sure. now. They have it certainly seems left like it, yeah. <laughs> There are twelve Eagles games left. Um, quarantine and all that. I'm assuming he'll have to go through something that he can't. It would appear that every person that lives in Halifax knows that he's going to the Colorado <laughs> Eagles. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the last top prospect that Sackett traded was Connor Bleakley, and the shine had already. Yeah, he was. That was very much not going to sign him anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's. Let's let's just let's for the sake of this conversation. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. What what do we want to see out of him at the AHL level? I mean, we're, I, we're not having the conversation about him like black acing it up for the postseason and him yeah, being yeah. around the NHL team and him. To be honest, we're not even really talking about him pushing for the NHL roster next season. Let's just yeah. pump the brakes and let's let him be in the AHL for a year. Before we do all that, but for right now, there are 12 AHL 12 games. games. Left. Okay. Let's let's say that after, you know, he still has to sign and travel and all of these things have to happen. Let's say he plays in 10 of them. Yep. Um, what do you want to see out of those 10 games? What's what's like the number one thing that you look for? Physical adjustment. Uh, look, he's he has the size, so he needs to get in to pro hockey he needs to play against men and he needs to understand how to use it uh we see a lot of guys that make the transition from juniors that have gotten away with just being bigger and not having to play bigger so for me especially as a defenseman i want to see him be able to use that physicality to a certain extent and he doesn't have to like blow people up with hits or anything like that it's just I'm not worried about his skating. His skating will drop into pro hockey without the blink of an eye. That'll be fine for him. If he can get the physical side of the game up to a level where he's comfortable hitting and taking hits, that's once that's there and that's in this 10 games, it's next year where you really want to see the puck movement, that sort of stuff start to come yeah. online. Defensively, I think you don't have major expectations right away. Yeah, I, like if he gets scored on it like crazy. It is what it is. Sure. You don't, you won't love that. You won't make too much of it, but it will be a slight concern. If he, he rolls in and for 10 games gets absolutely like lit up. Well, I'm not a plus minus guy, but if he goes negative 25 in those 10 games, you're, you're concerned about something. It's one of those things because because of his skating, <clears throat> there should be enough skating there where he can bail himself out of some of those situations, right? Yeah. 
the but I agree. You definitely want to see the brain keep up with the feet to a certain extent. If he, yeah, if for ten straight games he's making the same dumb decisions <laughs> that cost him, that's not going to be a good look. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I would imagine by game eight or nine, Greg Cronin is like, okay, I've had enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna at least sit the kid down for a night, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't really. I, to be honest with you, I'm just not that worried about it. I feel like this is bonus development for the Avs. Yeah, I I agree. That I mean, coming into the when he was drafted, obviously we knew COVID was going to wreak havoc on a traditional development path. It's why we haven't talked about it. We're going to talk about it next segment, but it's mm-hmm. why I am interested in punting on this draft class entirely. It, it doesn't really have anything to do with the scouting and everything to do with screwed-up development. Um, I, I think that with Barron in the AHL right now, though, he is he immediately becomes their top, assuming Timmons is still on the NHL team. Yeah. Um, he becomes their top like prospect on defense. Yeah, there were... You know, no offense to Clarman, of course. One of these is a first rounder, and one of them is a sixth. So, well, yeah, and one of them, you know, is 22, 23. Yeah. Like Nate Corman's pushing his AARP card at this point. <laughs> right. You know, like he's he's already getting discounted breakfast at diners. So, it, with Baron, you know, he's, he's 19, he doesn't turn 20 until the fall. He's a he's a dude that you don't you, you want to be realistic with. It's going to take time. But a thing that he has in common with Bowen Byram, one of the things that I like about both of them a lot is that they're they are at their best defending before the offense ever gets going. Yep. They are they are deny at the blue line. They are, you know, stop that, stop that shit in the neutral zone and push it the other way. Outskate a dude to a spot and just seal them yeah. off. Basically, yeah. Get the get the get the puck on your stick and get it out of there. Move it. Now Byram did that at a very very high level, plus his ability to carry things. Um, but it's. With with Baron, I think he's a healthy mix of offense and defense. I don't like this is this like Justin Barron is not an offensive defenseman. This is not a like classic puck moving defender, right? Like this is not a guy that like oh he's gonna he's not gonna he's you know he may maybe he runs an Eagles power play, but he's not gonna run a power play in the NHL. He's gonna be on your PK. Yeah, this it's the rise of the transition defenseman is really yeah. what Justin Barron. I won't say signifies because it's already happening before him, but yeah. it's the mold that he fits into. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing with Justin Barron that 10 years ago, he also would have been a first round pick. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> with, with his size and, and a skating ability for sure. But yeah, the, the so... style of play would be different though. <laughs> okay. This, <laughs> To answer the question from chat, no, I'm not worried about the abs becoming too offensive on defense. 
as long as they continue to give up 25 shots per game. You can have as much offense if you want at that point. Yeah, <laughs> they are an elite defensive team. They suppress they suppress shots better than anyone. Like their recent competition is like three Bruins teams. Yep. So you're in good company at that point, especially when it's not coming at the expense. They are not last year's Dallas Stars. Where they gave, they sacrificed all offensive generation. This year's Dallas Stars, like they, they are not. They, they don't have a problem with being too offensive. You know, they're not. They're, it's not like Toronto, who has had to go out and actively tried to balance the the skill sets on their defense to get better defensively while maintaining the offensive edge that they had. They they are an elite suppression team. They are the best defensive team in the NHL. Justin Barron, Justin Barron fitting into them makes them better defensively, not offensively. Yeah, and kind of to some of Chad's point here, without dipping too deep into the conversation of what actually is good defense. Yeah, sometimes offense is the best defense. <laughs> Well, and and what are you seeing the league value? What what we've called Colorado the grand experiment here, and why? Because they've gone all in. They've gone hard in on. They they play a system. Ability. <laughs> they play a system that values guys who can move a puck first and foremost. Now Ryan Graves and Patrick Nemeth and you know those those types of guys are getting paid, but. Why do you think that Jacob McDonald dropped into their system and succeeded the way that he did? What is the one thing? What is the thing that Jacob McDonald does really well at every level he's ever played? He's moved pucks. He has puck skill. And in this, the way that the Avs play, the, the system that they're playing in, puck skill is the most important thing. The ability to get a puck and move it efficiently and move as a five-man unit. It's it's exactly how they want to play. It's how the system is designed. Because if you look at if you look at their breakout and you look at their supports and you look at okay, they've got you know they've they've. I wish I had an I wish I had an X's and O's for this to to, to prove my point here. But breakdown, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's the way that they break the puck out. You have to have puck skill to do it because they're not they're not relying on flipping pucks into center ice and winning 50 50 battles they're maintaining possession through yeah they're valuing possession it's why you see it's why you see the abs reverse pucks so much behind behind their own goaltender it's why you see instead of you know a guy uh, gerard will skate he does this all the time where he skates to the, he skates to the blue line and he stops and he off. spins yeah. around and he waits until something is open. Yep. And then off he goes. You'll you know, he has regular, to make a decision. It's regularly more than one D to D pass for them on the back end, looking for yeah. that stretch pass or the breakout <clears throat> or whatever. But the Avs value the puck. They like, if you want to talk about what makes the Avalanche different, they value the puck more than other teams. They are less comfortable just giving it away and saying, okay, well, because how do you score goals? You have the puck, you shoot. 
right? Like the basics here. But if you're dumping pucks in and you're constantly chipping, what do you then have to go do? Get it back. You have to go and get it back. So they have tried to maximize their ability to play as a transition team, a controlled zone exit and entry team. They have tried to they have tried to change how they play in the neutral zone more than anything else, where they play with possession versus without it. That's the biggest difference between Colorado. It's why color it's why when you have looked at the it's it's why when you looked at like the the stats guys over the last few years have been like, oh, Colorado is just on an, in a different world when it comes to controlled exits and entries. It's because they commit to them. Yeah, yeah, because their whole identity, offensively and defensively, they don't want people coming in with control, and they want to have them. They value the puck yep. more than other teams do. It's it's how they play. It's what they focus on. It's what they value. It's their identity as a team. And when we get into a guy like Justin Barron, what he does, his ability to skate pucks in and out of his own zone fits immediately with what they do. You add in the size, and that's great. Like, you'll love that. Great. He's not five foot seven. Great. He's got your traditional size. You like that. Can he process the game? Can he read the game at a high enough level that he's able to defend and make good decisions with the puck skills that he has? He is he is more of a natural skills guy. Whereas you look at Connor Timmons, they are the they are the opposite players. Yeah. Timmons Timmons is is a guy that maximizes his skills via hockey intelligence. Yeah, by by just being smart, you know, understanding how to play, where he's going, what he's doing. He's Baron Baron's not going to be the same mold. This is funny because I think it'll come up in our next segment as well, but your explanation of Baron here reminds me a little bit of Eric Johnson. Use your your physical gifts and talent to accomplish the goals of getting the puck going the correct direction and rely on that ability and, and hopefully, you know, Baron doesn't blow out his knees. So the skating is still incredibly good too. Yeah. And certainly I'm not going to sit here and tell you that size is irrelevant. If you had six Sam Gerrards, you'd have a defense really good at some things, but really not good at other things. But too much of anything becomes yeah. a problem because then you have but, something that just gets abused, right? If but. you have six Kale McCars, you have a really weird defense too. You know, yeah. if you had six Victor Hedmans, you'd have a really weird defense. Yeah. If, right. I don't know. If you had six Victor Hedmans, you might be perfect. That's the Hedmans kind of uh, the best of everything a little bit. But It'd be like if you had six Chris Prongers, you'd have the best defense of all time. But even then, if you have six Hedmans, you know, there there's a headman on each pairing that you're not getting the most out of then because oh, the yeah, other headman is doing the heavy lifting. The the thing the thing with the size conversation, and this is this is one of those things where like the avalanche are kind of at odds with a lot of the, the fan base that is like you need to be grittier and you need to be tougher. Like as long as you're effective with your size, it's fine. Like you yeah. don't, 
You don't need to be like, oh my god, we're so physical. We maul teams and grind them down. You think you think you think teams aren't tired after playing the Avs because they've spent all game defending? This is using your size isn't the big blow up hits that everyone remembers from Nikita Zadorov necessarily. It's using your size to rub people out when they try and cross the blue line, using your size to win corner battles using your size to shove people out from your net front. It's a lot of these things happen. Not even necessarily on camera. If you're watching from home or as a primary point of the play, it's just the consistent flow of a hockey game where these things happen over and over and over. If you've rubbed it forward out eight times coming up the near boards, they're going to stop doing it most of the time. Because they don't want it to happen again. So. There was a really good example of this. The last Arizona game. Where Connor Garland came up the wing. And you could tell like eight games in. Connor Garland was over the abs. (laughs) Yep. Because he rolled in. And normally Garland would dump the puck in. And chase it. While his while his teammates went for a change, yeah, he'd so that guy off, so that they wouldn't just be like, "Here, have the puck." You know, it's not totally free. It's it's how you see teams change ninety five percent of the time. They dump it in, and a guy goes and chases while all the other guys change, and you could see he just didn't have any interest. He dumped he dumped that thing in. He took one step inside the blue line, and he goes, "Never mind." And he just stopped and he curled around and went back to the bench. And it's like that right there, like that is a great example of they just, he just had enough. He was, he was over it. It was, he was supposed to go dump and dump and chase while his team changed. And the abs just wore him down where he was just like, I'm out. I'm just bye. And they didn't need to be overly physical to do it. They didn't need to to have the huge hits, you know? Like, Zadorov was great at denying zone entries, as Jeremy mentions in the chat. Like, he was great at denying zone entries because teams just didn't test it as often. He used his he used his length, he, his his size. He was very good with the stick and disrupting flow, causing offsides, stripping of pucks, all types of those things, right? They didn't want to dump and chase on him because then, you know, then he would hit them. But if they got into the zone against Zadorov, teams were very comfortable because he breaks down. Yep. He just breaks down. Uh, He does not process the game in his own zone at a level that is any good. It's not an NHL level. Yeah. And we've kind of come full circle here in the ads commitment to Mm -hmm. denial defense yeah and yeah that that is what it is uh on uh on that note if you're tired of rubbing one out maybe get your stuff manscaped and it'll help in in the bedroom for you a little bit you know it could do the thing you need it to do you never know on this one Head on over to manscaped.com. Use code DNVR to get 20% off and free shipping. I can't believe that you just said that. It is too early for that nonsense. 
Oh <laughs> my god, that was my instant reaction. <laughs> Look, Manscaped gets the job done. I don't know what else to tell you. So jump on it. Get over there. Use the code DNVR to let them know <laughs> we sent you. They got the trimmer. They got breath mints. They got shavers. They got toners. They got everything you could possibly need. Manscaped.com. <laughs> We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Highly recommend. You can get a bunch of amazing odds boosts from these guys every single day. And when you sign up with code DNVR, they will get you even better stuff, including right now, this weekend, you can bet on another UFC event coming on. Look, 26 to 1 odds. That's what they're handing out for UFC 261's title fight. Jump on it. Bet $5 on either fighter to win, and if they win the belt, you walk out with 130 bucks. Easy money in the bag. You got a good read. Pick a fighter. Win yourself some good cash. If you don't like MMA, you can always bet on hockey, basketball, baseball, football. How many, how many Manscaped reads do we have per week? It's it changes every week, but it's usually two or three. Yeah, imagine trying to come up with two or three totally original ways to lead into a manscape read <laughs> every week for months on end. <laughs> like, feel feel free, but feel feel free to 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 think that we've jumped the shark. But honestly, that comment's cringy as shit. <laughs> Um, to this comment from Brecton, I, who says, I'm kind of shocked that Ali's surprised anymore that Rudo pulls these out of his bag. I just wasn't, I'm like getting other stuff done, listening to you guys. And I was just not expecting it to be like that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I can't believe he just said it. I, it still shocks me. I don't know why it just really does. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad folks, but. You know what? Either way, you can still support us by going to Manscaped. So, <laughs> also check out DraftKings Sportsbook, number one rated sportsbook app. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Last but not least, we have a new sponsor for all of y'all as well. The premier uh, dispensary for you guys. Give you a bunch of amazing deals. Solace Meds. Solace Meds has four convenient locations here in Colorado for Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax, right next to the DNVR bar. So if you want to hit up the bar, get your CBD products as well. That's the way to do it. The coolest thing right now about these guys is they're giving away a trip to, to Jamaica at the end of April. So look, you want to get your products? You want to get your dispensary stuff? You want to go hang out in Jamaica? Win-win. Just jump on it. Solace Meds. You can go to solacemeds.com slash sweepstakes. Sweepstakes? Wow. I can't talk anymore. To find the rules and get yourself entered. They're great stuff. I don't know what to tell you. Obviously, we're big fans of, of CBD and dispensary stuff here at DNVR. So, you know what's good when we add them to the list of, of our amazing sponsors. Use code. Go ahead. Use code DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire purchase when you make the trip down to a Solace Meds location. I would just like to add, it's so odd that Colorado has gotten like the stigma of like 
home of the pot smokers. Yeah. You know, like weed is weed has been marijuana has been legalized in how many states like, now? Yeah, it's like 15 or 20 states now. Like it's it's fairly common-ish in the United States now and like very just speaking personally, like very few people in my life are what you would think of as like a traditional stoner type. Agreed. Like, like there are like one or two people that absolutely you're like, if that given, you know, if, if that, if that person has four hours of free time, what do I think that they're doing? They're probably getting hot. But most of the time it's like, it's just not that big of a deal. It was, when I went to Vegas shortly after they legalized, it was like pandemonium there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> compared to here where like it got legalized and everyone was like, cool, we'll keep going about our business. Yeah. It was like, all right, like no more shady phone calls to Greg with the backpack. You right. Know? Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. No, don't have, I can remove that. You know, it's, and like the the rise of CBD products, where it's not about getting high, yeah, it's it's about like treating something wellness, you know? yeah, yeah. Like it's like there's a there's like a a purpose to a targeted purpose, other than just like well I'm just gonna get high, you know, and stereotype, 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 stereotype. It's it is. I don't know. I I think it's I think it's great, and it's so funny. Like coming from Texas, <laughs> yeah, and like having so many people that are still on the fringes of my life that are, you know, that are like, weed is evil, and I'm like, I, I, I just, I don't understand <laughs> how people could still be so in that bubble where they're like, it's evil i can understand it not being part of your life or you just being like at this point i've missed the boat or whatever but like people being like this is a this is a bad thing and it does it does there are so many things that there are so many aspects of it that help people's lives like daily you know pain reduction or you know me with the migraines like Yep. It's it really is like one of the things we've gotten right. One of the big like shifts in society that we've started to like we're winning that. We're winning on that front. We're gaining ground here because it's obvious. It's right. It's correct. A hundred years from now, it's probably gonna be like, are they for real with this? Like looking back on this era, like it was a big deal when it happened and being like, what? Dr. Dubs out here prescribing CBD. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's what the D in CBD is. It's for Dubs. Dubs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AJ, should we talk 10 minutes of draft here before you got to get out of here? Yeah. Bob's list came out today. So maybe the the first like official big list of they're calling it mid-season, I guess, but whatever. You gotta call it something, right? <laughs> Just call it the nonsense that it is. 
absolute nonsense draft list. Uh, Owen Power ranked first overall still. The good news is you've seen him play because NCAA actually played most of their season. I know you've uh, you've been on the record saying this dude is Eric Johnson. He reminds me. I was not. I was not into uh, the draft when Eric Johnson was drafted first overall. Same. I was. I was not watching hockey. Uh, I was at a. We'll call it a phase of my life in which I was disconnected from the sport. Um. So I just wasn't really. It didn't. Wasn't a thing. Yeah. I've always said it's easy to see why he was drafted first overall. Right-handed, six foot six, and a great skater. And he puts up good numbers. Here we are in 2021. And you have a guy who is six, five and a half, 213 pounds, puts up good numbers in college hockey as a freshman. He's a great skater. Like, does everything, right? Has all the potential in the world. Yep. It's a lot of potential. EJ is indeed 6'6". He is a huge man. Yep. Can confirm. He might Uh, be listed at 6'5", but he was always the biggest guy in that room. Him and Miko are huge human beings, man. <laughs> Miko, Miko just keeps getting a little bigger. Well, although, you know, it's now been a calendar year since I've been in a locker yeah, room. Yeah, who knows? So. Actually, it's like 14 months now since I was last in a locker Jeez. room. Yeah, I, let me tell you, training camp next year is going to be awkward. Because it's going to be like, oh, uh, what's up all these dudes that I used to see daily? <laughs> so and let's be realistic here if the abs aren't picking 28th or later it's going to be a disappointment right um we'll see how the president's tra- trophy race goes and with their cancellation and all that it could com- you know could complicate some of this sure um eric johnson coming back would only help the avalanche like Eric Johnson would only help Colorado get better. Um. Anyway, just answering that question right off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anthony, save that question for um, one of our Q and A shows, and I'll tell as much of the story as I'm allowed to. There you go. There are some. There were some things that led to that deal. In any case. Yeah, moving me, on from that, though. So, look, let's say certainly mid to late 20s is pretty realistic for the Avalanche. Yeah, I am I mean, like, I'm like, okay, president, you know, president's trophy race and all that, like, it'll be 25 or lower. Yeah. So it really first. just kind of just depends, you know, <clears throat> but 25, 25 or lower. So when you're looking at a guy that's like 17 or whatever on this list, it's like, mm, maybe probably, not going to make it. Yeah, <laughs> Probably don't get too attached. Like as much as I have attached myself to Cole Sillinger, I have no 
aspirations of him falling to where the Avs pick. Yeah. 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 There's there's no like well maybe, you know, like who knows how it's gonna go, but we're we're planning for the we're planning for twenty five to thirty two. And really it's more like twenty eight to thirty two that we're kind yeah. of looking at it. Because I'm looking at Bob's list here and the Avs penchant for taking first round D may be over as Bob well, and, has a D at 19 and then the next D down at 34. And that D, Daniil Cheka. Yep. Also, how how about that? There's another guy coming out of the AJHL. Yeah, that uh, from Brooks, no less. Yeah. And Corson Kuhlman's, like Kuhlman's, I think that's his last name. <laughs> but they're scheduled 18 and 19 there, Kuhlman's and Cheka. So the Avs may have to do some finagling if they're looking to add to their D in the first round. <clears throat> or they could just take a forward. So, let's... I mean, at this point in there, where they are. Yeah. Oh, random yawn, excuse me. Um, if you look at, like, you could make the argument they need to kind of replenish the defense. Right? I, I think it's pretty easy to make that argument. Because, well, it's, so there's, there's a couple of factors here. You can make the argument that they're running out of defense because... Dravilov, you think one more year in Russia and then pro hockey. And then even then, you're not like expecting a ton out of the guy, right? Whatever you get out of Clerman and Lieberman is whatever you get. And then Baron in the AHL, Timmons either in the AHL or in the NHL, like right on that cusp. Yep. And then. Hellison, after the year that he had, Hellison, you're looking at one last year of college hockey and then Eagles. Yep. Like, there's not a lot on that front. Compare it to the forward side. You feel great about Jean-Luc Foudy. You feel pretty good about Colby Ambrosio down the line a little bit, uh, you know, you, a decision has to be made now about Tyler Reese instead of it being more of a write-off in his senior year based on the year he had this year. Yeah. Well, so, and no Ralston removes that. It does. But there's still a handful of prospects coming that aren't immediately graduating to pro. On the forward side, you also have a ton of dudes about to graduate to pro with Ranta and Newhook already doing it. Bocage, Mutala likely not that far behind in this coming off season. Yeah. I mean, they are they have to decide. They're, those guys are either on ELCs or they're out of the system. Yep. <clears throat> so they've got to make decisions there. The big difference is, is what you're talking about here, the huge influx of forwards into pro hockey. You know, you're going to have, they're going to have, yeah, Nikolai Kovalenko coming over from Russia. Yep. You're going to have Sampo Ranta and Alex Newhook, Shane Powers and Martin Kaut all on your AHL team pushing for NHL time in the next year. You've got, you've got all of, You've got all of 
I've never seen this label on Gatorade before that says contains no fruit juice. I've never seen that <laughs> label. I'm... Is it was was somebody was somebody accusing yeah, Gatorade there was, of putting there was a fruit? lawsuit in there or something? <laughs> Why is that on this label anyway? That, that's what distracted me is that I was looking down and it said contain no fruit juice and it's like do people drink Gatorade for the fruit juice part of it like <laughs> what the hell just happened um but point being the abs have yeah a surplus of forward prospects at the AHL level yeah there's a lot of guys that they're gonna be able to have in there and a first whoever they take first in in this draft like this draft class currently set to be a whole three prospects. <laughs> it's not going to be a major influx into their system of anything. Yep. Unless they take three goaltenders, which would be. Which given the way miners playing. Highest of high choice. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. All of those guys have their rights um, expiring this year. Bokaj, and minor Matala. And you have to think Bocage and Mutala are close to locks for contracts. Yeah, and I think Berzan is probably good for an AHL deal with the way that he's played. Yep. And then Minor. We were going to talk about Minor. Yeah. We kind of didn't because things just got sidetracked. But Trent Minor, another shutout. Yep. Like, the dude, the dude has been a shutout factory since getting back to the WHL. So... What do you do there? Yeah. I, you know, you have Eustace Annan coming to North America next year. He's kind of been the crown jewel of the of these guys. Hunter Miska is still signed. Peyton Jones is still signed. Adam Werner is an RFA. Decision's got to be made. Peyton Jones is still signed through next year, right? I thought he only signed a one year. I thought it was okay. That would help. Still... It is just the one. Okay. So then they have decisions that they can make. They can cut loose Werner. They can cut loose Jones. And then they can they can give an ELC to Miner if they want. Again, I think an AHL deal to Miner would be the smart route. The problem is, is that he might be out. He might be out playing it. Yeah. Like at, at nine forty eight with save percentage with a one point two goals against in seven games in the dub. Right well, and, and when he was in the AHL earlier this year, yeah. he was competitive. Yeah. And so it's, and he was a guy when the abstracted him in seventh round, there were people who hit me up immediately and were more excited about that pick than any other that Colorado made that year. And that's shaping up to be a pretty decent class. Wallstead's going top 10, so you don't have to worry about the avalanche having any shot at that. Yeah, I mean, we're not even having the Wall Street conversation. Yeah. To be honest with you, given these rankings, the Sebastian Casa conversation isn't even happening. <laughs> yep. He would be the guy, though. Like, if you wanted to talk about who the Avs should take in the first round, this would be a perfect year to take a goaltender. Just totally punt the draft as far as skaters are concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you take you take if they if there's a goaltender that makes sense, obviously wherever they are in the first round. Just I would be fine taking a goaltender this year. Sure. Uh, this year is going to be 
extremely strange no matter what. But God, there are OHL guys on this list. I don't know how you would take anyone out of the OHL. <laughs> Given that they didn't play this year. Yeah. Well, uh, so some of the OHL guys did go and play in like European leagues and stuff. Like yeah. um, uh, Foodie did for a little while too. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I forget that the Swedish three league was part of the foodie path. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of those weird things on like his elite prospects page forever. Well, it was like um, Brant Clark, the OHL kid that went and played in Slovakia for yep. 30 games or whatever it was. That's the type of knowledge you need to know when I bring back impossible trivia on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look the reality is when you're talking about picking in the late 20s in this year's draft it's just a lot of teams throwing darts in the dark i mean that's that's true in a normal draft yeah throw all of the factors in that you have this year and to be honest with you um drafting out of like russia might be the safest thing you can do. At least do. you have tape, yeah. <laughs> it's like draft out of Russia and draft out of the USHL. <laughs> I am I am really interested. I think U18s are going to be a big factor. Because yeah. it's going to be the some of the only live viewings that we get of, of a handful of these guys. I'm still I'm still on record. I, I still think that they should have a prospect like Bonanza. Where they take basically this list. You take this list, take them. I, I would say the top 120 draft prospects. You shuffle them onto a bunch of different teams. You assign them teams. Then just have, have them play. Yeah. Come to North America and have them have them like boot camp it up for two weeks and just play against each other. That'd be sick. And that's it. Like because they because you've missed out on all of your other opportunities. You know, uh, a guy, a guy like Chad, Chaz Lucius. You know, he's let that let that dude who's been hurt for a lot of the season let that dude pop off for a couple of weeks. Honestly, like attaching something like that onto the combine would be so cool. It would be awesome. Like the NFL has the Senior Bowl, which is yep. super cool and a great resource. You know the. The WJCs are great and the U18s are great. Like they they kind of serve that function as it is. But in this year where they're you know, a lot of guys haven't had a chance to play and haven't had a chance to showcase anything, it just makes sense to me to you just you make a list of your top 120-ish dudes and then you know, however it ends up having to be and then you bring them all into one place and just have them play against each other for a couple weeks. You know, just two weeks, just bam, they, they play every other day. You, you don't make, you know, it may not make a massive difference because you're not going to be like, okay, well, they're not playing for anything. Guys are trying not to get hurt or whatever, but a live viewing here for guys that otherwise don't have them. I mean, it's certainly... You know, maybe for the guys at the top of the list, it's not that important. But yeah, like you're talking about a guy in the 50, 60 range that just hasn't had a lot of viewings. That's a dude that could help himself a ton. I mean, look at look at this list from Bob. Okay, 
50, the rank 55 through 61. Every single one of those guys is the USHL. Yep. There's more guys on the USHL. For one, there are more guys in the USHL than normal because a bunch of people went to play there because yeah, they couldn't play elsewhere. But... That was their option. It's also why the like this is a dream for the USHL. It's why they draft these guys, right? <laughs> it's why it's why at the bottom of every elite prospects page you see Justin Barron got drafted in the USHL in like the eighth round. Yep. You know, those guys always get drafted into both of those leagues, and this has just been the one time that they got to capitalize on it. But, like, you go through this list, there's almost no OHL players on here. You mean to tell me that there aren't any good OHL players this year? <laughs> like, no. Of course there are some good OHL. You know, it might be a down year, but give these kids a chance. You know, you go through rank 78, Ryan Winterton. Give that kid an opportunity to play against some of the other prospects, make a name for himself, you know, give him, give him a chance. Maybe, you know, they have a, they have a third or fourth round grade on the guy right now, but they see him play live and he ends up drafted in the second round. So confirmed the Evs take three OHLers and I have absolutely zero footage to show everyone <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah. They take three OHLers and a, Cut to us trying to review it at the end, and we're both just like, <laughs> I hate this organization. So, yeah, a lot of this draft is just going to be a total, total crapshoot, basically, mm. is the point that we're making. Chase Stillman from Denmark. Oh, baby. Bet that's easy footage to get a hold of. <laughs> On that note, any final thoughts on the drafts, Avs, D prospects, whatever you want, AJ? Beautiful side. There's a there's a guy in the draft named Riley Kidney. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. So a, a lot of these there's there's two approaches to this draft. Mine is punt it. Yeah, um, but there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, good good scouting teams are going to have a huge advantage this year because they're going to be able to get guys later. I'm of the opinion that like, this is all development time that these guys lost. This might end up just being a screwed up draft class because they can't ever get their dev time back. Yep. And this is like a crucial year. The draft year is a crucial draft year. It's where you see players take that big lead. It's where you see like Sasha Mutala, Nicola, Nicola wall. Do you remember Nicola wall when, he was like a top Q pick and he had like, he had tons of hype on him in the queue and got drafted in like the fourth round because it was just like, eh. Yep. And then was like, Oh, by the way, I'm super dope. Now it just took him that extra year of development. And that year just doesn't exist for these kids. Yep. Which is why I'm like, I'm punting on it. I would rather punt it than, like the Detroit Red Wings have 12 picks. And if there's a guy that you trust with 12 picks in a screwed up draft, it's probably Steve Eiserman. Find a way to work some magic. But at I the mean, same time, like they could get nothing out of those 12 yeah, picks. I, look, I definitely believe there will be some unusual steals in this draft. But I also 
wonder how much of those deals are going to be pure luck as opposed to quality scouting. I mean, separate those in a normal manner. Right. That's what I'm saying is it's hard are enough. There gonna, are there going to be more guys that end up in the NHL from the fifth round from this particular class than normal? I have no – we have no idea. Like, that's the – a lot of people just seem to be making that leap. Yeah. That, sure. like, the third round is suddenly going to produce 22 NHL players because the scouting was screwed up and or even, something. Like – Obviously, opinions change over time, but even before all of this shutdown stuff, the early returns on this draft class was that it was not going to be a stronger one. So people were super down on it. They've been down on it. I mean, fair, fair, fair point, though. Like, is this more 2012 or is this 2017? Yeah, because you remember, we kind of we kind of said the same stuff about 2017. Yep. Like We were like. Not great. And now, and now, if you redraft 2017, you have three surefire franchise players going one, two, and three. Yep. In Makar, Haskinen, and uh, Patterson. What in what order? I don't know. And how you but, prioritize them? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But like that was a draft where we were like, ah, this isn't really that great of a draft class. And. Look at it now. You never know. That's the that's the takeaway. Is everybody's just guessing at the end of the day. Yeah. My biggest problem is the the development time is is lost forever for these kids. They don't no prospect tournament or whatever will ever get that back. Them working out for a year will never change any of that. Indeed. So boy, you know. I think outside of those couple of guys, though, we were pretty pretty right about 2017. <laughs> yeah, it was a few guys that flourished, but like that top ten: Heisher, Patrick, Haskin, and McCarr, Pedersen. Some studs. Yep. Really, four four good to great NHL players, and then Nolan Patrick. Yep. Who's admittedly, like, has had them like he missed an entire year with migraine problems, like. But immediately after the top five, Cody Glass has not lived up to the hype. Yeah, Leas Anderson has been a disaster in New York. On a second team. Yeah. Middle stat, I, I, a lot of people saw that okayness coming, I think. Yeah. And, like, admittedly for middle stat, it's been better this year. It has. He, he's proven to be an NHLer at least, yeah. It's been better versus, like, the justifying, bar was low. Yeah. like, We'll we'll see with middle stat, but at least it trended in the correct direction. And then Michael Rasmussen, which was the easiest prediction of all time that he was going to be a bust. Yep. And like I don't really have anything negative to say about Owen Tippett. He's been fine in his rookie I, year in Florida. I still love Owen Tippett. A little a little lacking in production, but nothing crazy. Like, and then you get into some good ones like Velarde, uh Natchez, healthy. Natchez has been great. Yeah, Suzuki too. You know, Cal Foot is like functional. He's yeah. in the NHL. Um, Brandstrom is still kind of odd. Valamaki, Liljegren, Vakanainen, eh, and then this the like the twenties hit <laughs> of like solid picks at the beginning. Like Norris, Thomas, Hedl, and Yamamoto are all legit NHLers. Yep. 
Uh, POJ has actually been pretty good in the limited NHL action. Yep. Um, and then Veselainen, Paling, uh, Morgan Frost, uh, Jake Ottinger's actually been pretty good. The only guy in the first round to not appear in the NHL yet, Shane Bowers. And then Yoki Haru and Kostin are meh, and Tolvanen is still. People are still really excited about him. Yeah, and a ton of time he, there. he's had he has ten goals this year, so yep. he's had he's, he's had a nice year. We'll we'll see. There's still there's still time. But point being, we talked about that class is like an an iffy one, and it's still iffy. Yep. Outside of outside of those very tip top couple of guys. There's it's still pretty iffy. Solid in the middle of the first, but there's a bunch of not great also. Yeah. Um, all right. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, watching, listening, consuming the podcast, however you may. We appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, check us out. Of course, you can always listen to the audio format podcast as well if you prefer. Yeah, uh, the Avs return Thursday would be their next game. They can practice on Wednesday if everything goes according to plan. So we'll be live tomorrow talking about something. We'll be live Wednesday talking about something. And then hopefully it's game day after that. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later.